title of my talk, if you will. I have to give it a title because my dad taught me to give titles. Is a revival. We're in a revival. But a revival of dormant dreams. A revival of dormant dreams. In Genesis chapter 37... Um, I want to read a couple of scriptures. There's a story about a, a guy that we're all very familiar with. And uh, the scripture says in Genesis 37, verse 5, Now Joseph had a dream. Everybody said he had a dream. I'm not going to ask you to talk back to me the whole time. But Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. How many of you know sometimes when God gives us something, we don't get the response we expect? Sometimes from people, we really expected it to be different, Right? So he said to his brothers, please hear the dream which I have dreamed. Listen to how many times he uses the word dream. And, and when I read the word dream here, what he received was he, he received a prophetic call upon his life. He received a prophetic word, a word of destiny, a word of purpose, a word of calling. How many of you know God has that for each and every one of his children? And in this particular case, it was like a life dream. But sometimes we get seasonal dreams or seasonal callings for the next season of our life. But don't be turned off by the word dream. But Joseph had a prophetic utterance that came from heaven that met him on earth. It intersected his heart and his life. It was a purpose and a calling authored and originated by the creator of the universe for his son to walk out on planet earth. There's not of one of us that's in this room that's still present today that belong to our heavenly father that are here by accident. No matter what age we are, no matter our marital status, no matter what our family situation looks like, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're in, no matter whatever's going on in our life, the voices around us will continually try to convince us that there's not purpose and meaning and calling and destiny for where I am today. There is. If it wasn't, don't you think our Heavenly Father would just sweetly take us on home to be with Him? But if we're here, we have purpose. If we're here, we have calling. If we're here, we carry destiny that no one else can carry but you and me. I can't carry your purpose. And I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that it doesn't matter. It's, it's all laid out in the message, but... The enemy will do everything that he can to, number one, destroy the purpose for which God has us on this planet for. In this season, in this season of our life, and you know, life is seasonal, you know. There was a season where I had a dream to, to get a bride and, and be married, right? And, 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 and that was God-inspired purpose and pursuit and calling and that season was culminated and God brought me and my, my wife together. And how many of you know that season shifted? And there was another season. 
And because that season was over, it didn't mean that there wasn't more for me in my life. These seasons come and these seasons go in our life. And the enemy does everything he can to break us down. And to put obstacles in front of us that would keep us to minimize, to destroy, to pollute, to stop what it is that God has for us. He creates and he sets up all kinds of things in life. You can look at scripture and you can watch the origin of so many of the people that God used in their lives that from a very young age, they were, they were set up and they were attacked by the enemy because they knew, because the enemy knew that God had a purpose and a plan and a destiny that he wanted to fulfill through their lives. And so from a very young age, if he, if, if Herod couldn't kill them, all the, all the children before they were two, when Jesus was born, he was looking, when Moses, and he had to be put in a basket to be saved, and on and on, we see that the, the enemy is relentless, and he's out to destroy the purpose and the plan and the call and the destiny that we have on our life. And one of the main ways that he does it is that he, he talks to us through a sibling or through a teacher or through a coach or through all of those or through people in our life. And he says things to us about us that we're not enough and that we're not capable and we'll never amount to anything and and that God can do it through them, but he can't do it through you. And you're not from the right family and you don't have the right heritage and you've made too many mistakes and you've, you're not enough. You're too old. You're too young. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The list isn't new. You don't have enough. You don't, you don't have enough talent. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough know-how. But I'm here to tell you today that God has a destiny that's written with your name on it. And the fulfillment of that we seek in this life will never ever be found outside of that destiny and that purpose and that meaning for which we were created for. The word of the Lord today is we're in a revival season but what I felt the Lord say strongly to my heart is that today there was to be a revival of dormant dreams. Many of us have walked together in this place. Many of you, we know each other pretty well. Many of us have walked through many seasons of life. Many of us have traded dreams and stories and destinies, desires, callings, some of which have been fulfilled, but many have yet not been realized. And what I feel the Spirit of the Lord is saying today, and I'm no prophet, but I feel the Spirit of the Lord wanting to impart into the heart of the one that will hear it that it's not too late. It's not too far. It's not too broken. It's not over. Joseph dreamed a dream and he said, 
we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, a sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed the sheaves stood around, and they bowed down uh, to his sheaf. And his brother said, Shall we, you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream. I don't know that Joseph was the smart, the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, he, he didn't really know how to manage this very well, but he had another dream. And then he went and told his brothers again. He said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the seven and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him. And said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this matter in mind. Let me jump to verse 18. It says, now, when they saw him afar off, this is a little bit later in the chapter, his brothers were in the field watching over the flocks, you know. Even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. See, that's the definition of what the enemy wants to do to the call of God on our lives. He conspires to abort it. He conspires to kill it. If he can't kill it, he wants to diminish it. He wants to minimize it. He wants to mute it. He wants to keep it from taking hold and, and, and gaining roots and, and, and becoming what it is that God intended for us to be. And so his brothers conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. He so carried the seed of God in him that he was known by the people around him as one that was destined for God's call upon his life. They didn't even call him Joseph. They called him the dreamer. He was consumed with purpose. He was consumed with the destiny. I dare say that he didn't just talk about it one time. I think it was on his lips continually. Because he had met with God and he had a prophetic call. He had a prophetic word that came over his life. That came from heaven. It came into his heart. And he knew that it was from God. And they said, there he comes. There's the dreamer. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. And then we will see what will become of his dreams. What will become of his destiny? What will become of the call? What will become of the purpose upon his life? And the thing about this story that's so amazing to me is because we know the end of the story, right? We go to the end of the story and we see that the very dream that God gave Joseph, the very purpose uh, to walk out, it's not unlike what God does for us because God's no respecter of persons. It's not like Joseph had this amazing dream and he's like on this way other level than you and I. It's just the same. It's just the same. He had a walk to walk with God. And he had things to accomplish that God had put him on the planet for. And it just so happened that in this circumstance, eventually God was going to use him to be in a position to, to help his family. Otherwise, they were going to die. They needed Joseph to dream this dream. 
They needed him to receive this prophetic word from God and to go through everything he had to go through to pop out on the other side and say yes to God and see it all the way through. But they didn't know that. And they actually stood against what it was God was trying to do for them. Joseph had a call of God upon his life. And then life happened. Does anybody know what it's like to have life happen? I know what it's like to have life happen. Life happens to everybody. And as much as we would like to pretend and think that we're all spiritual giants on spiritual highs and we're always praying in tongues and we're always in the altar, and life doesn't work that way. We have to walk it out. We're people. We're human. We walk with humans. We talk with humans. We're broken. People are broken. Circumstances are broken. Things are mixed up. We, lived in a, we live in a fallen world. Yes, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, which enables us to walk through it. But how many of you know that doesn't mean that we're perfect and that our life is perfect and that we make all the right decisions? I don't even think Joseph was making the right decisions, blabbing his mouth all the time. It was like he, he didn't understand it. He didn't know how to manage it well. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He, and he didn't handle that well. And I think he created some of his own issues within his own family. Anybody ever created some of your own issues? Particularly with our mouth. But he had this dream and then life happened. He got thrown into the pit. He got sold into slavery. He was despised by and rejected by his family. He was separated from his home. He was taken to a foreign land. He was falsely accused and imprisoned. Life happened. How many of you know that regardless of the love of God for us and regardless of the call of God upon our life, that things happen in life? And it brings us to these divine crossroads with what will we do when life happens? because the decisions we make in those moments determine how our story is written isn't it amazing that God gives us free will and he allows us to take up the pen of eternity and write the story of our own lives the pages that have been written in the book of my life are of my own choices. They're of my own doing. God's never controlled me a minute in my life. He's walked with me and he's wooed me and he's invited me and he's instructed me and he's helped me when I would let him. But when things happen in life, we have the pen, if you will, and we have the ability to write the story of how it's going to turn out. And if you read page after page in Genesis and you read the story of Joseph, the dreamer, and you see that at crossroads after crossroads after crossroads, by the grace of God and with the help of God, the scripture says that God was with him, that his favor was upon him. And that was because Joseph stayed close to Jesus. 
He stayed close to his heavenly father. And even though life happened, he didn't let life become the author of his story. He let his heavenly father help him write his story. Life happened to Joseph and something that at one point seemed so alive and so real, so exciting and so inspiring, so possible and so within reach, so life-changing, so God-given, but now not so much. You ever been in a season where it didn't seem so much anymore? Where it didn't seem possible, it didn't seem real, it didn't seem inspiring, it didn't seem exciting, it didn't seem close, it didn't seem near, it didn't seem like it was going to ever come to pass. That's where Joseph found himself in this season of life. We find him in a place where he is no longer talking about his dream. When you couldn't shut him up before, life shut him up. I love the scripture that says that we have a great high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he was tempted. That word there means he, in every way in which we are, he, he walked through it. He did life as a human. He did life. He was despised and he was rejected. He was abandoned. He was wounded he was hurt. He understands what life can do. And he did it for us and overcame so that he was bruised for our transgressions, right? The chastisement of our peace so we could find peace in this life was upon him. By his stripes that he bore on his back, we can experience healing in our mind in our soul, the pain and the hurt of the past. Many times in our life that was through no fault of our own, it was imposed upon us. In our body, by his stripes, we can be healed mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally. He walked this walk and paid a price because he knew what we were going to be up against and he knew what we were going to walk through. So life and life experiences brought Joseph to a place where he had a dream, but it was in a dormant state. Okay, so I'm going to go teacher on you for just a minute. This is a definition of dormant. On the Okay, dormant. A dormant dream is a dream that's in an inactive state during which growth and development cease usually in response to an adverse environment. It went dormant because of adversity in his life. It wasn't growing. It wasn't developing. And it seemed to Joseph like it was probably dead and buried. But I want you to know this morning there's a difference between dormant and dead. 
The scripture says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and abides alone. Sometimes there is dormancy in our life because that dormancy is producing something in us that God needs in our lives. Dormant means having normal functions suspended or slowed down. You ever had the normal part of your life suspended? And it's just crazy, right? It's not normal anymore. The normal way is suspended or slowed down for a period of time as if in a deep sleep. That deep sleep's like a coma. Joseph's dream was in a coma. I mean, look where he was compared to where he thought he was going to be. Look at your life today compared to maybe where you thought it was going to be. And the enemy wants to convince you that that's all there is. That's all the joy you're going to experience. That's all the influence you're going to ever have. That's all the peace you're ever going to attain. That's all of the dream that you're going to ever see. But God says to you today that that's not the case. It may be dormant, but it's not dead. And what Joseph didn't know when he was in that prison that day, I don't think he had any idea. He had no idea of what the timeline was. Don't you wish sometimes we knew the timeline of our life? He had no idea what the timeline was. He just knows that it's been tough and it's been a battle and it's been life. And there was hurt and there was pain and there was betrayal and and there was abandonment and and there were lies and there were all of these things that he had to work through on the inside. Anybody had to work through some things on the inside? But he stayed close to God. And though the dream was dormant, no, though the purpose or the promise of God was dormant in that moment, he didn't know how close to revival of his dream that he really was. And the amazing thing was that even when his dream was dormant, even when he he wasn't walking in the fullness of what he felt like was his purpose and calling, you know what he did is he helped somebody else with their dream. People began to come to him with their dreams. And he's no longer talking about his dreams, but he's listening to other people talk about their dreams. I always want to go to a nursery rhyme when I talk about this. The butler, the baker, and the candlestick maker. I don't even know what who, who was it? Who were the two men in prison? Pharaoh's butler? Was it his butler and his baker? But not the candlestick maker. No, okay. <laughs> I think that's in the new Stephen version or something. Well, he interpreted their dreams and then He was faithful with what God asked him to do in the moment. He didn't let the bruises and the wounds of life write his story. He kept letting God write his story. That opened the door for him to go and interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And in a moment, in a moment he was in prison. And the next moment he got a text message inviting him to the throne room of Pharaoh. I mean that quick. It went from being dormant to alive. That quick. We say that quick. It wasn't that quick, was it? It was a process that led to a quick turnaround in his life. He didn't know how close he was to seeing God turn it around. 
in the moment it was inactive and it was inoperative. But that does not mean that it's dead. You know, when they talk about volcanoes, they talk about volcanoes being um, dormant. Dormant means it's in between extinct and erupting, right? It's not extinct, meaning it doesn't have potential. It means, and it's not erupting, but it's in a dormant state. Not active, but capable of renewed activity. And that is the word of the Lord over your calling this morning. Over that dream, over that promise, no matter what season that you're in. It's it's not active, but it's capable of renewed activity, no matter what the enemy has tried to say. So I feel the word of the Lord for us here today is that there are those here that's in this same situation. You know what it is to have a God-given dream, a calling, a purpose, but it has not yet been realized. You feel like maybe it's over, it's out of reach, it's not possible, maybe it's even dead. So my question to you this morning is, what dream or what promise or what purpose or what calling in you has the adverse circumstances of life caused to go comatose, inoperative, sidelined, on the shelf, seemingly impossible? The word of the Lord to you today is that that thing, the dream that he gave you is not dead, but it's just dormant. And if we will trust him, and if we'll keep our eyes on him, and if we will believe him, then he will revive that dormant dream in our life. See, God is the author and the originator of the dreams of our life. Go to to point one real quick. See, God has unique dreams for each of our lives. I know most of you by now probably are aware of um, someone who's near and dear to this church and near and dear to many of us as a personal friend. Brother Prophet Bill Norton went home to be with the Lord at the end of this last week. Can you bring his picture up there? I want to read you a post that Pastor Jeremy Lane posted on the church Facebook page. It says, how our heart breaks over the passing of our precious Bill Norton. For our friends, for David and Miha, for Joan, his wife, for Bill's beautiful daughters, and our special friend Bill who has invested so much into all of our lives. We love Bill and through his manifested gifts, he greatly loved us. As a church, we are so very thankful for Bill and the powerful ministry that God used him to invest into our church and in our lives individually. We all love Bill Norton and can still hear his words echoing in our hearts. We as family owe heaven much for the investment of Bill into our lives. We are forever thankful and forever grateful to our father for his gift of Bill to us. May his work and his words continue to live on in earth and may his rewards last forever in heaven. Pastors Jerry and Elaine. How many of you were touched in some way by Bill Norton's ministry through the years? You can go back to the point. We love Bill and our loss is heaven's gain 
for sure. He spent over two decades coming here and ministering to us. But it, as it has to do with God having unique dreams for all of us, as I was thinking about this and God was stirring this in my heart, he began to bring to my remembrance in my early years, having the fortune of working on the staff here, about how I, I would spend hours when Bill Norton was here. He had a, if you didn't sit under his ministry, he had an amazing prophetic gifting that God would speak through into people's lives. And many of us today still carry around CDs or I have them with digital versions on my phone, words that God spoke to us. But what this altar would fill up night after night and, and Bill would be used by God to speak words, prophetic words, destiny, dreams, calling, purposes over people's lives because sometimes we don't hear them for ourselves and God will use somebody else to do that for us. But I would stand behind people I mean, literally for hours, there would be nights that he would prophesy three or four hours over people in these altars. And the thing about Bill was that I would pick him up from, many times pick him up from the airport and bring him here. And he was always like, don't tell me anything about anybody in this church. You know, I don't want to be contaminated by anything I know about people. I just want to hear from God. And I would stand behind people that he would begin to speak words over. And I began to notice this unusual pattern that was new to me at the time. And this unusual pattern was he would begin to speak these unbelievable prophetic plans and purposes over person after person after person. And I would stand behind some people in my immaturity and my inexperience and my self-righteousness. And I would say, he don't got this right. He don't know. He don't know this person. He don't know what their life is like. He don't know what their life patterns is like. He don't know what they've been up to. He don't know what they're doing. He don't know their capabilities. You know, I know them. He don't know the addictions that they're mired in. You know what I'm saying? But the thing that I figured out over time was it finally got through my thick head. Even myself, when he would speak over me and I would hear, oh, he's got that wrong. He's got that wrong. I could never attain that. I could never do that. But the thing that I finally figured out was that God is no respecter of persons that he wrote a beautiful story for every man, woman, boy, and girl that he ever breathed life into and put on this planet. And that life had stepped in and presented obstacles and bondages and brokenness and grief and disappointment and woundings and unforgiveness and addictions and all of these things to come in between what God had written in his book before we were ever born. And where that person found themselves in life. So that was the most amazing thing that I began to see over time was that God is amazing. Every person in this room has a story written by God for your life. For this season. For today. He's not intimidated by the life experiences that we've had. He's not limited by the wrong choices that we have made. He can't be kept back because of sin and weakness in our life. He's bigger than all of that. He's bigger than all of that. Our doubt and our unbelief and all of the things we wish were different. He's bigger than all of it. And none of it can touch His plan for your life if we would but believe. 
and give him the opportunity to pick up the pen again and to write the story of our life. If it's three months or three years or three decades that we have left on this planet, a life that's fulfilled, a life that's full of purpose and meaning, a life that is sees the fulfillment of the dreams and the destiny that God took the time to plan out before he ever formed us in our mother's womb. But life happens and many times the things that are holding us back are not visible to everybody else. They're things that are invisible and they're on the inside. Especially church people. I'm a professional church person. I have a resume that says so. I've done church by choice and not by choice my whole life. I remember from a young age, we didn't have church like this. We had two rows of pews, one aisle down the middle, wood benches, you know what I'm saying? This doing remembrance of me table up front, you know, that's the kind of, that's where. And I remember from a young age <clears throat> how to learn to cover up and mask things that were going on on the inside of me that I didn't know how to handle things that I was ashamed of, things that I couldn't get over, you know, in church, we get really good at that. We have a lot of good lingo and we can say, praise the Lord, brother, and all those things. And it's good to do those things and vocalize the promises of God. But at the same time, that doesn't fix what's broken on the inside of us. We need a healer. We need a deliverer. We need an encounter with the spirit of God. And the reason we go around the same mountains over and over and over again in our life and we find ourselves fighting the same battles is because we're trying to fix the wrong thing. We're trying to fix the fruit and we never let God get to the root of what's broken in our lives. And a person, we can go to church for 20 or 30 years and still be having the same struggle, the same battles. And those things that life presents to us that we don't handle well, we don't know how to handle, and we stuff them down, they become the chains, they become the wounds, they become the brokenness of our soul. Grief, disappointment, rejection, shame, weakness, all of the things in life that come our way through the journey of life. And the thing about the soul is, the soul is an important part of who God created us to be. He created a spirit, soul, and body. How many of you know that? We're created in the image of God. Spirit, soul, and body. And somehow in the church, we are, I picked up through the years that if my spirit was good, then everything was good. If I would just, my spirit. But how many of you know our spirit was dead and it became alive when we gave our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and it was redeemed. Scripture says about our spirit that old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That wasn't talking about our everyday life. Because if it was talking about our everyday life, how many of you know if we got up from here and we walked out, everything would be different. But everything isn't different. We have the same 
battles. We have the same struggles. But now we have something on the inside of us that's more powerful than what we're up against. Paul wrote, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, our soul is the bridge between our spirit and our body. It's our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions, and it's in that middle ground right there that we get all messed up the way we think and the way that we feel and the things that we've experienced. And the scripture says that we've got to take the power of God and we've, let it, we've got to let it work its way out to begin to fix those things and free us and to heal us and to change us. It's the brokenness of our soul. The scripture says, now let me look for my scripture because I'm not going by my notes. Well, the scripture says in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart, right? I'm bringing this to a close. Above all else, guard your heart. Some seasons in my life, I did that well, and other seasons I didn't. And there's a price to pay when we don't guard our heart. Because things get in. And when things get in, they begin to write a different story. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Because out of your heart flow the very issues of life. Am I a believer and depressed? Am I a believer and offended? Am I a believer and joyless? Am I a believer and just wandering through life? Am I a believer that attends church and I have no, no power or peace in my life? Are there things in my life that because inside I've let some things go wrong? And until those things are fixed, how many of you know things can't go right? Real quickly, throw this on the board and I'm, I'm going to close. The four emotional facts of life. The thing about our soul is this. Number one, this isn't a revelatory, but life hurts. It brings hurt. It brings pain. God didn't design it that way. That was not the Garden of Eden pre-sin, but it's what this earth became. And it's not going to be our destiny. That was not God's intention, but the world we live in right now is a hurtful world. Secondly, unless we deal with deal with that emotional or that soulish pain properly when it occurs, it accumulates within our heart. See, emotional pain and brokenness in our life doesn't just get better over time. It accumulates and we carry it with us. And it becomes the limitation. It becomes the ceiling. It becomes the chains that hold us back from being what it is that God's called us to be. Then that accumulated pain creates wounds and brokenness and bondage and limitations in our souls. And then we all deal with that pain in some way. How many of you know we deal with the pain in some way? We deal with it in some way, either right or wrong. Many times it's in the wrong way. Many times we begin to blame other people or we get hard or we get bitter or we get mad at God or we move into doubt and unbelief or, or we medicate or we overwork or we shopaholic or we whatever. We do all these things to try to fix what's broken on the inside, but the one thing that we need to do. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, the scripture says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let me give you a paraphrase of that. I love this paraphrase of that. What it says is, Blessed are those who turn their pain towards God, for their pain will be validated, understood, and healed. We try to fix it, but we got to bring it and turn it towards God. 
this morning, we're going to close in just a moment. I want to ask our prayer team, if they would, to come to the front. I want us to give an opportunity this morning for two things. I want to give us the opportunity for God to do a new work on the inside of us. Whatever junk is there, whatever whatever failure is there, whatever whatever pain is there, I believe God wants to come and he wants to he wants us to put that back up there if you don't mind real quick. Turn our pain and our brokenness towards him. Can we do that? He invites us to do that. He says, come and bring it to me. Blessed are those who turn their pain and their brokenness towards me. Blessed are those, but you don't know it's my own fault. It's my own doing. I'm so ashamed of these things and all that. But God says, whatever it is, you'll be blessed if you'll turn it towards me. Turn it towards me because I will validate it. I will understand it, but I won't leave it there. I'm better than a counselor. I'll touch it and I'll heal it which will open the door in our life for point number three, which is God is here this morning to revive dormant dreams. To revive dormant dreams. If you're here in this place this morning and you know that there are things in your life that God has spoken over your life, that He's spoken to you, things that you used to be excited about, things that you used to know were going to come to pass, and they're dormant today. This is a day for you to step into faith and believe that God will cause it to rise again. You remember the story of Lazarus? And Lazarus was in the tomb and his sister said to Jesus, he said, they said, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And what Jesus said to them was, he's sleeping. He's dormant. Aren't you glad that God can look at our situation that looks dead to us and he can just say, it may be inoperative, it may not be growing, but it's not extinct. It is capable of new life. It is capable of new life. Now this word may not be for anybody, but this morning, if you've put some things on the shelf, if you've laid some things aside, if you've moved into a place where you don't even have the faith or the hope that these things are going to come to pass anymore, then this is your day to step into faith. And what Jesus said was, get out of my way. He said, I got something to say. I'm going to speak to that dormant thing and I'm going to call it back to life. I'm going to call it back to life. I'm going to call it back to life. He said, come forth. Destiny, come forth. Dream, come forth. Purpose, come forth. Calling, I can fix everything that needs to be fixed. I can heal everything that needs to be healed. I can deliver everything that needs to be delivered. And I can breathe new life again. So we're going to go into worship right here. And if you need God to touch brokenness, hurt, pain, shame, guilt, grief, things that are binding up your heart, then come to the front this morning. Or if you want prayer, that God would release divine life into that dream, that purpose, and that calling for your life. Don't sit there this morning. Make a move into God's best for you. So come on down. Our prayer partners are ready to pray for you this morning. Let them know what you're here to have prayer for when you come down. And we're going to worship, and then I'll come back and close in just a moment.
unless you come, will you meet me here again? It's all I want, it's all you are, will you 